Seinfeld, the subway is over and has been for quite some time, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap. And now here are the two guys who are the best men at a lesbian wedding, Rob Sestrino and Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? Great. How are you, Rob? I'm um, doing fantastic. You want to go down and ride the cyclone today? Uh, literally... Uh, the last thing in the world I would want to do. <laughs> Akiva, is it true you are podcasting uh, naked or just handcuffed to a bed uh, in your underwear? Uh, I, I think I'd rather go to the OTB than the other. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't want to go to Coney Island? I, you know how Jerry says he's got to go to Coney Island to get his car. I actually thought to myself at that point, uh, if my, like if our car had been, um, you know, impounded or whatever by the police or, you know, stolen and found, I would just get a new car before I would drive, go down to Coney Island. <laughs> oh, why are you such an, a snob about Coney Island, Akiva? I don't know. It's kind of like a little like gross and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, but I've really far- never been there. I've never been there. Um, I The only time I've been to Coney Island, like I've never been to like Astroland. Is that even still there or any of these things? Like I've never. So. What about the Brooklyn Mets? Have you been yeah, to so I Mets? went to a Brooklyn Mets game. I didn't get to go, obviously, when they had Seinfeld night this past summer, but I did get to go to a, a Brooklyn Mets, uh, Mets game. I went to Nathan's with my dad, and that would be the appealing part to go to Nathan's. I'm a big Nathan's guy. Yeah, the only way I would go there is if I was in the hot dog eating contest. <laughs> <laughs> Why you don't like Nathan's? No, I'm saying the only way I would go to Coney Island is if I was in the contest. I, Nathan's is fine. Yeah, that's good. You get like the French fries with like they give you like that like red like plastic fork. You saw Derek Jeter there. <laughs> I didn't see Derek Jeter there. Oh, you're forgetting a bit from like 20 episodes ago. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, oh, the, oh, the dinky, oh, the dinky Donuts? Oh, yeah, I said. <laughs> yeah. Akiva, uh, we, we've covered so much Seinfeld. Uh, you can't expect me to remember everything we've ever said. No, it's we've forgotten more than most people will ever know. Yes, yes. All right. So we're talking about the subway here today. Uh, a very uh, New York-y episode here. Our first episode of 1992, Akiva. Yeah, we're really chugging along. We're a sixth <laughs> of the way done after today. We're moving faster than a lane subway car. Um, That's true, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that, I, I don't know. I, the... You ever have you ever, wherever you're on a subway where um it kind of just stops for 20 minutes? I'm trying to think if I have been. I feel like I've been on maybe on the Long Island Railroad. I was definitely I was on a train in Los Angeles where this happened, where I was just stuck for a long time. Yeah, you, you lose your will to live after about 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, it was very tough. And we'll talk about what the difference is in riding a subway in 1992 to 2014 are certainly uh, in this conversation. So plenty to do here today on the subway talking about uh, this episode from season three, episode 13. Of course, you could subscribe to the Seinfeld podcast here on Post Show Recaps. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Uh, never miss an episode of uh, the Seinfeld Recap Podcast. Now, Akiva, last yeah. week, you laid down the $1.29 challenge to anybody who would sit through all nine episodes of Comedy Central's uh, show review and not like it, which was your show of the year for 2014. That's correct. Akiva, I will tell you that I uh, had so much time visiting uh, my in-laws and uh, my family on Long Island. I did take the $1.29 challenge and watch all nine episodes of Review. I think it's eight episodes. I believe it was nine. Oh, okay, fine. Yes. Nine episodes? Yes. Um, That's very exciting. I had no idea. And uh, what is your review? (laughs) I would have to give Review... I will give it five stars. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Yes. How great is it? Yeah, it's a great show. It's very, very fun. Uh, I don't want to go too far down uh, the review 
wormhole, but it's very, very fun. And I think what I liked most about it that I didn't see coming was that, you know, I felt like it was sort of like each episode was sort of like a standalone thing. But what I actually really liked about it is that there's sort of a, there's a, a plot that, you know, is a through line between the nine episodes. Like you can't just watch them, uh, in any order, sort of like a, you know, I thought it was going to be sort of like a Nathan for you where you could sort of just watch them in any order. It doesn't really matter. Uh, there really is like a, an, a plot line that goes through the entire season. Yeah, there's something that happens in episode three that that really just, you know, if you watch it, that, the reason I said you have to watch all eight is because I know people watch the first two and say, eh, this is not for me. But it really picks up episode three. Something happens that really, you know, throws the show on its head. And, yeah. Uh, very it's, fun. It's worth it. It's very I fun. Really sh- I should have made it, uh, you know, the amount of pancakes he ate. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what, you know, the dollar amount. Yeah, I'm surprised he just didn't have more faith with that dollar twenty nine. But uh, I think it's worth saying also that um, that no one's taken up, taken me up on the offer yet because. Uh, <laughs> Right, because the show was uh, was posted too close. To the, <laughs> yeah, to and we don't really know how many of you guys are going to take the dollar twenty nine. We'll check in again next week on that because uh, I ended up we recorded our last podcast when I was in New York, and it was just too hard for me to edit the podcast on my laptop. So I had to wait until I got back from uh, New York to get back home. So I only posted it like about an hour before we're recording this episode. So hopefully, uh, we'll still uh, the feedback that we end up getting on last week's episode. Maybe we'll cover that as well uh, next week. But let's jump into talking about the subway. Uh, Akiva, what was your t- just uh, take overall on the subway? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a classic episode. The thing I love about it is that for the first time, all four, you know, members of the gang have really been given a substantial plot line. Yeah. This and, you know, and, you know, that it's whereas this show is often lumped together with the parking garage and the Chinese restaurant as um, the three episodes where, you know, it kind of took place in the same spot. Um, whereas the Chinese restaurant, they literally never leave the restaurant and the, and the parking garage there, not always together, but they're always in the parking garage here. Everyone goes out on their own. You know, the symbolic moment where the four of them, you know, go in four separate directions at the, uh, you know, when they get off the subway. Um, and, and I think it was, you know, it's a seminal episode because it shows like, all right, we're going to, we could separate them and they could do, you know, their own things where there is still some sort of, and they also didn't worry about having an underlying thread, like in the alternate side when everyone did their own thing, but they found a way to say like, these pretzels are making me thirsty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, they didn't, they didn't get married to the idea of having like, they have to be super tied together. Just, you know, like the lesbians subway, but they can have their own fun. Right. Yeah. And I think that this is a very well done episode and also like, uh, you know, every everything, you know, all of the stories are interesting. I just don't think that this is a hilariously funny episode. Right. It's it's one of the more interesting episodes. There aren't a ton of jokes, although there are a few very good lines. Yeah. Um, And, you know, some of the stuff at the end, which we'll get into more is is, you know, maybe a little contrived. But um. You know, there, there's definitely plenty to like, I think, in this episode. Yeah, it's very fun on the rewatch. I just think that out of like all the episodes that we've talked about here from season three with The Stranded uh, being the obvious exception, I feel like there's uh, less jokes happening here other than like, oh, it's funny to see the, you know, the naked guy on the subway or it's funny to see George in his underwear or stuff like that. It's like the comedy is a lot of uh, more physical comedy than sort of like uh, wordplay and jokes. Yeah, a ton of physical comedy, but there's also there's so many plot lines up in the air that there's almost like no time for jokes in parts of the episode. All right, so let's get into it. We talk about Jerry sets up bumper cars and being at Coney Island and the kid that can't really figure out how to use the bumper cars. Akiva, are you a bumper cars fan? I mean, I guess I was when I was a kid. I fear that I was like that kid in the corner, but I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> or the father-son team? Um, I mean, I'll let you know in a couple of years when my son's old enough to go in a bumper car, but yeah, you know, that, that could be us too. I feel like the my least favorite part of the bumper cars, I feel like the bumper cars always had like a weird smell. Yeah, they are kind of gross. Yeah, it's sort of uh, like the it's sort of like burning rubber type smell. Um, I feel like that's always uh was a little bit of a turnoff, especially it's always like the summer when you're on these things, it's very hot and it smells, you know, not great. 
Well, the outdoor ones, like the Disney World style ones that, you know, are a little more racetracky, you know, those are, um, yeah, those have like the real burning rubber smell. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about this episode. We start off in the coffee shop and we get like a extended Kramer giving out directions on the subway, which turn out to be like completely superfluous because Olaine says you could take the train right to Coney Island. Uh, yeah, there's uh, yeah, I don't want to, you know, they the, the subways have changed a lot since then. But yeah, you can you can just take the train straight down. But, you know, Kramer's always got a scheme. Okay, so we set up that Kramer, uh, what everybody has to do here, here a little bit, where we find out that George is going on a job interview. Yeah, it's the second interview. So I guess he's, he's, you know, he's narrowing in on the job. And Jerry tells him, don't whistle on the elevator. Yeah, so there is a, like a minor plot line in this episode, which doesn't really get carried through to the end so much. Um, or they don't, I mean, it does, but they don't mention it so much, where... Uh, Jerry is calling George Biff Lohman, which is really mean. You know, Biff Lohman is uh, the infamous character um, in Death of a Salesman, who's just, you know, a catastrophic loser. Yeah. And uh, it's really it's really harsh to call somebody a Biff Lohman, honestly. <laughs> yeah. This came up a couple episodes ago, right? What, that they called him Biff? The, the, yeah. I think he's called him Biff once before. Yeah, so it's um, definitely been a running joke between Jerry and George. Yeah, I mean, it is it is very, you know, uh it is very it's it's pretty hard. Like if you're, you know, familiar with Death of a Salesman, like that's not um what you want to be, but I guess just for background, Biff um and you are familiar with Death of a Salesman? Well, I'm a I'm a former high school English teacher. Oh, okay. So this isn't this isn't like, you know, James Bond movie. Like I've, you know, I'm, <laughs> what's the I've, best way to consume Death of a Salesman? Is it read the book or is there a play? Is there is there, is there a movie? I think Audible.com. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the I think read it's a play. I I would probably it's a very easy read. If yeah. It's at, if it's at all if it at all interests you, I just sit down. You can pound it out pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, um, I, I mean, you you was, joke, but I feel like an audio book would be the way that I would consume it. I, I've never heard a play as an audiobook. I would be curious how uh, well it's done, but um, if done well, actually, it would probably be pretty interesting. Hmm. Um, there are a bunch of movies. I don't, I don't have one off the top of my head to recommend. Um, but, you know, that's it, one of the perks of doing, you know, any book like this uh, is you can tell your kids, you know, if we do this book and everyone gets like an 80 or above on the test, we'll watch the movie the next day. Yeah. Um, and the movie is really because it's a movie. It's at least two periods. Uh, you know, so it's, you know, a couple days of, of, a, of a work week that they don't have to do anything and I don't have to do anything. It's great. Yeah. Death of a Salesman, uh, both the regular book and the cliff notes are available on Audible. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't go for the cliff notes. <laughs> don't get the cliff notes. It's I only mean, not less you're getting it. You're getting tested on it. Now, how is this that the cliff notes of Death of a Salesman, uh, the audio book is two hours and 22 minutes, but the book the actual audio book is an hour and 26 minutes yeah but yeah the cliff notes are for a small play like this are actually bigger <laughs> what yeah well, why would if you, if you think about it like it's a small book but there's still you know you have to analyze all the questions that the teacher's going to ask yeah uh, so that okay. kind of makes sense to me but anyway so biff is um uh biff basically has a job interview but he sees a fancy pen and he steals the pen and he leaves before he um, actually goes in the interview. Yes. So, um, that's the reason why he has a job interview and, um, you know, and Jerry's bringing it up now. Okay. So that's what George is doing. We also set up the whole thing about the lesbian wedding and George has a lot of questions about the lesbian wedding. He wants to know how do they decide who's going to be the bride and the groom? Uh, and they, do they flip a coin? And, uh, he says, what is that not politically correct? And uh, the answer to that is uh, actually no. That's not. That's probably not politically correct. Right. I mean, it's very interesting to see how they handled this in 1992. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It would be much different now. It wouldn't be. You know, she could still be going to a lesbian wedding, but there would have to. You know, you wouldn't have a person falling down on the subway. Not in New York City. You know. Yeah. Like uh, that. They're meeting somebody going to a lesbian wedding. Yeah, the lesbian wedding thing plot line here in 1992 
is like designed to be like completely absurd. Like, oh my God, can you believe they're going to a, uh, you know, a lesbian wedding? And now I just feel like that would be kind of uh, run of the mill. It's funny because in the inside look for this episode, Julie Louis-Dreyfus says that um, it would be more controversial now. Obviously now is not now, but now <laughs> years ago. Um, yeah. That because I guess it was more, the, the, the actual idea of them legally being able to get married in 1992 was absurd. Um, but you know, but, uh, you know, things changed very quickly. Yeah. So it became at that point, it was probably a political issue. And now it's basically a political, uh, realty. It's just a, a realty, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, but, uh, it's, it is very interesting to see how they handled it. Um, I don't know why the best man has to be a woman, but I guess we could, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly how it works, but I, I don't think that, uh, you, you are, beholden to traditional one person has like just because it's a wedding i don't think one person like it's not like if it was a gay wedding like one person has to wear uh, a dress because you have to have a, a person in a tuxedo and a person in a dress at a at a wedding um i think you you know it's it's you don't have to be beholden to the bride and groom archetypes no and they yes. would never call a the woman the best man i don't think you've never been to a gay wedding i assume right? no i have not but that has much more to do with my lack of friends than my uh you're saying you haven't been to too many intolerance either <laughs> no yeah i i would do anything i could to get out of going to any wedding so uh, I, gay I, lesbian I would, or straight i'm i'm right there with you or not <laughs> i yeah i recently like got into an argument with my wife over a wedding that i just wanted her to promise me we weren't going to go to I know my friend was telling me he's, uh, you know, dating girl in Canada. Yeah. And, you know, get married where, where the girl is. And, and I was, you know, like strategizing, like, should I just stop being friends with him now? Yeah. You know, like, what do you, what do you, I'm not going to Canada for a wedding. Like, are you kidding me? Right. Right. You know, you have to, not only you have to give a gift, you have to go. Right. And the destination weddings, it's like, you know, it's like a thousand dollars to get there and pay for the hotel. Right. And yeah. then you have to give a present and you're, you know, and Brutal. you're like missing work. It's a brutal um all right so what is going on with jerry why can he not stay awake on the subways um yeah i don't know he you know it, i guess uh i guess it just you know rocks him to sleep but right, so jerry's, <laughs> jerry's going to um get his car back which was just stolen uh a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. um and i guess the guy you know who sent the gloves back you know was nice enough to give jerry his his uh you know the larry david voice guy was kind enough to, to leave jerry's car somewhere yeah how about that season three of season three of seinfeld all these continuing storylines yeah jerry just has like sudden like narcolepsy in this episode yeah by the way jerry's not really a subway guy <laughs> you wouldn't think so in real life jerry because there's too many germs it's too jerry's taking uh cabs yeah and yeah when he's like falling asleep like on some stranger's shoulder like you feel like that would be very un jerry like also oh completely he would never do that Okay, so we end up seeing everybody in the subway car and they're talking and Kramer is showing all of the tickets that he has. He has to go down to like City Hall and pay $600 in tickets. Yeah, he's got $600 in tickets, tickets for everything. Um, I know people like this in the city. Like there are people who I know who just have like thousands of dollars in parking tickets. Yeah, and I feel like that's a running storyline on Seinfeld, Kramer's many parking tickets. Uh, Kramer says he has a ticket for no doors on his car. Is yeah, that a ticketable great. offense? I think they probably just take the car away at that point. <laughs> Do you have to have doors? I mean, maybe like two doors. I don't know. Maybe there's like a door minimum. I'm not sure. What about like the UPS truck? Yeah, those are, well, those don't have doors because they want them to get in and out fast, right? To do like their job. Yeah, so how um, come they don't have to have doors? They probably have a good lobbyist. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, there's probably like, it was probably written in some bill. All right, so we end up with every, everybody is about to go their own separate ways. That uh, we have a guy who comes along who's a violinist who wants a tip. And George says he doesn't carry any change in these pants. Yeah, George is, you know, if, if anything has been a running theme th through the first three seasons, it's George's cheapness. Yeah. And George very astutely tells the group, hey, this guy's not blind. Yeah. I don't know what the giveaway was. I mean, the other three people give him money. Yeah. Maybe that he like uh, just knew where to put the money or, or like he knew where to move his arm to. It's worth asking if this blind violinist 
gets to keep his tips. Hmm. See you later. Yeah, that is a good question. And so we end up also getting Jerry to try to recruit George to come with him to Coney Island. Right. So Jerry is making fun of George for being Biff, but then he's trying to get him to pull a Biff move. Yeah. And he also says that they found the car. Uh, it was it was Simonized, which is um, which is a word that uh, Willie Loman uses about Biff that he always like his car is really shiny, like he washes it and waxes it a lot. Yeah, not many things are getting Simonized these days. Uh, no, even when you, uh, you you know teach death of a salesman, there's like a, those little things like they have in the Shakespeare where on the bottom it explains what Simonized means. Okay, and what does it mean? Just shiny? Like, yeah, shiny or waxed. Okay. All right. So uh, we end up now with everybody going their own uh, separate ways. Uh, we see Jerry sitting across from the man. Does he have a name, this character? One of the interesting things about this episode, Rob, is none. there is uh, eight or nine you know, guest stars. Not one of them has a name. Okay. Well, we will call this man uh, Mr. Carosi then. Uh, oh, yes, we will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, this is the actor, uh, Ernie Sabella, who I believe also uh, is known to many Say by the Bell fans as Mr. Carosi, who ran the Malibu Sands Beach Club on Say by the Bell, but I believe was also the voice of uh, one of the people in the in the Lion King. He's not, ju- he not just was. He is, if you look at his IMDb page, he is still making a lot of money. Everything that's ever come out, Lion King 2, Lion King 30, you know, uh, Lion King, you know, kids, whatever videos, video games. He is still the voice of Pumbaa. Okay. And what was Nathan Lane? Timon? Uh, Pumbaa and I think Timon. I guess that was Nathan Lane. Yeah, I just wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if uh, this actor, if he was the the voice in the Lion King uh, in the movie, or if he like was doing like the voice on like, if he like took over after Nathan Lane. Right, right. No, Nathan Lane is, is, is his counterpart. Simone. No. Yeah. This guy's made a, a full career just of doing, um, just of doing Pumbaa after, you know, after his, uh, you know, shoddy performance as, uh, you know, the world's worst boss in, in uh, Saved by the Bell of the Summer Years. Yeah, and he's still and he's still going. No fun facts about him. Uh, no, thankfully, no fun facts about Leon Leon Carosi. You know, his, uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's been dealing with a lot. His, you know, his daughter just left Scientology. I'm sure he had to, you know, help her out with that. Right, Leia Ramini. Good for Ernie Sabella. I mean, the guy in 1992 is not in great shape, and uh, look, he's still going. Listen, he's got he's got all that. He's not so old. He's just he's just fat. Like he's he's 65. Yeah. Hey. That's pretty good. Yeah, I hope I hope I look. Nah, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe <laughs> not sure. All right. So we see Jerry sitting across from him. Uh, we see George sitting next to a very attractive woman on the subway. Very well-dressed also. Well-dressed businesswoman. Uh, Kramer has a very well-acted funny scene where he's trying to find a seat on the subway. And everybody, it's like very choreographed very well that everybody sits down where he can't get a seat. Yeah, it would be fascinating to know like how many takes that took. Because. Because Michael Richards did an incredible job there. Yeah, he's really good in, in this episode, Michael Richards. Yeah, if you ask Kramer to do physical comedy, there's nobody better. Yeah, I mean, he's great in this. And then he, like, between, then he sits next to the uh, really fat guy on the subway who doesn't yeah, there's move. Also, there's, like, empty seats right behind them. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's great here. He's great when he's, like, fighting the guy for, like, the shred of the newspaper. And then when he's in the horse racing uh, scene at OTB, when he's like acting out the guy riding the horse, uh, he's fantastic. Yeah, that's unbelievable. It's one of my favorite favorite Kramer, uh, you know, physical comedy routines. All right. So Jerry, we cut back to him. He's falling asleep next to a guy on the train. And I I don't understand why Jerry just can't stay awake. Yeah, they probably should have given like a little bit more of a reason. Yeah, maybe he was up all night or whatever. I mean, he is like a night owl, and here he's doing something that's like outside of his, you know, he's like a comedian. Sometimes they don't go on till like 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, what day of the week is it? it, it I mean, it's definitely a weekday because these, you know, city agencies are open. But um, but yet Elaine is going to a wedding on a weekday? Listen, lesbian weddings, no, no, you know, bounce. They could be on <laughs> Tuesdays, they could be on Thursdays. I mean, they're having like a midweek lesbian wedding. I mean, I guess you could make a case. It's a Friday. You could make a case of Friday, but maybe it's like just the justice of the peace, you know, a couple hour thing. 
I guess so. I guess so. Do you need rings for the Justice of the Peace? Well, you have to give it. You, you're giving each other. They're going to wear the rings even if they don't do like a, you know, a big destination wedding in Canada. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is Canada the ideal place for the destination wedding? I don't know. Mine was in Florida, but, uh, you know, you want to you do, you know, you want to go like somewhere where it's going to be really expensive for people. So, like, yeah. The people who don't really like you won't go, but where it's still like reasonable. So I don't know. Canada's up there. All right, so we go back to George, and George is sitting next to this woman, and he is reading the paper. She asks him if he needs a job because he's looking at the classified section. He says, no, he was looking for the stocks. He's got a lot of questions. She's got a lot of questions. But now, do you think, does this woman just do this every day, just trying to find a guy to just, like, act like she's going to have sex with them, then chain them to the bed, and then go ahead and just leave them? I have so many questions about this woman. We have no answers, obviously, but she's really, she looks, like, really classy. She doesn't look like an early 90s, you know, like, um, prostitute or anything. Yeah. She has a lot of, like, incisive questions. Like, she wants to know what market he works in. Almost no no one's asking that question. Mm-hmm. You know, so she clearly like knows her stuff. Maybe she was just, you know, feeling him out to see like just how rich he was. You know, if it should be maybe like a long con or a short con. I don't know. Yeah. So like when he was chained to the bed, she's going to go in his wallet. And if he has like, you know, $500 in the wallet, she's going to like start dating him. Yeah, but he's he is there. He's already watching her, her go through the wallet. So I, I don't know what kind of plan this is unless she's just going to throw the money at, you know, yeah. like make it a big deal. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I'm not exactly sure what the plan is, but I think that the from the episode, the idea is that she does this like she wasted the whole morning on this. I feel like that she does this kind of routinely. This is like her three card Monty. Yes. And although you would think how many times can she do this plan? I mean, does she, she had to have booked the hotel room ahead of time, right? That she makes it like when they go to the hotel room, George's like, oh, your business just puts you up in this hotel room. Right. She has to pay for the hotel room or maybe he has to pay for it because he's stuck there. No, because the, he said that her business gets right, it. Right. That's true. Right. She's not she, you're right. She's not footing him with the bill. I guess the question would be maybe maybe part of her plan is also that she uh, knows that most guys won't go to the police because let's say he's married. He can't go to the police and say like, you know, I left work to go to a hotel with this random lady and she robbed me. Like there's, you know, they're just not going to report it. I mean, does she have an alias? She pays cash up front. She goes to different hotels every day and buys a new hotel room. It seems like a very elaborate plan. Yeah, we, we need more information on this. And how many guys are just carrying that much cash on them? Right. I think even like a really wealthy guy might just, you know, mostly pay for things in credit cards. Like my father had a friend when I was a kid who played a, a what's in my wallet game. Yeah. He would say like how much money is in my wallet. And if you guessed right, you got the money in his wallet. Whoa. Well, I mean, I never got it because it's so, you know, if you think about it, if you have somewhere from zero to $200 in your wallet, you only have that's a half percent chance. So it's mm -hmm. not going to happen. I yeah. assume it was to the dollar. I never got it. Wow. <laughs> so I would like always just carry like $1 on me. If you play that game. Oh, you mean because you wouldn't care if you lost. Yeah, that's how I would do it. You wouldn't be that. That would be lame. One dollar. <laughs> so Jason Alexander is really brilliant as George in this scene of trying to, again, like we've talked about this pretty much all season long here of George's like fake lying where, uh, or I guess all lying is fake, but he's just like, like trying to come up with the answers to questions that he does not know the answers to or asking him about the market. Does he work for one of the big brokerage houses? And he's like, no. No, because with the big brokerage houses, it's all about the money. Uh, and they they killed his father. But they really, they hurt him. They, they hurt his feelings. feelings. <laughs> Step down from killing him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, it just is so funny to me. Uh, yeah, his, his, you know, his lies are, are worth, are worth you know, the price of admission. He, you know, between his cheapness and his lying, you know, George is, uh, is the best. Yeah. Okay. So now we have Elaine talking to the woman on the subway. Now this woman looks familiar. Do we know her from from anything? I don't think so. Again, she's another unnamed character, like like everyone else in this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She has she has one of my one of my favorite lines. Yes. What's that? Oh, when she when she's talking to uh, Elaine. And, um, and, you know, Elaine says, you know, that it's, uh, it's ironic. What is, what's, what, you know, what is, and she thinks he's saying what's ironic and she doesn't know what ironic means. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, um, this lady's a genius. It's kind of a cute scene with Elaine and this woman. And then, you know, the whole thing about the lesbian wedding is a turnoff. Talk about another woman with very prying questions on the subway. I rode the subway for like eight years, almost every day. I think I spoke to a stranger one time in all eight years. What did you talk about? 
it was actually kind of weird. I was having like some eye problems. Yeah. And I, I turned to the guy next to me and I said, is there something in my eye? Which is probably a crazy thing to say to a stranger. Yeah. But he was like super nice or she. I don't remember if it was actually a man or a woman. Because <laughs> you were having problems with your eye. Yeah, like I've been having ongoing eye issues for, you know, like a couple of weeks. And they said, no, you know, and that was, and that was it. But I like that was the only time I ever spoke to a stranger in many, many hundreds of subway rides. It just doesn't happen. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, lots of uh, fun facts from the subway with Akiva. Yeah, listen. Well, one of the good things about this episode is the subway is such a part of, you know, such a part of New York life. So we rarely get to see it. So it's nice to see, you know, this is this is more of a glimpse of New York than I think any anything else we've seen so far. Yeah. My biggest problem on the subway, which is happens to me every single time I try to take it, I'm always like, oh, OK, well, that's great. I'll get to Penn Station. I'll jump on the subway. This will be so good. I, I get into the subway and I say, I don't know which way I'm supposed to be taking the subway. Am I, I want to go. I know I'm on the right line. Am I going towards where I want to go or away from where I want to go? And I'm uh, unable to ever figure this out. Yeah, I mean, there should be signs for that. By the way, the the lady talking to Elaine, her, her most famous credit appears to be she was on Who's the Boss a lot. Oh, OK. Yeah. Well, oh, Mrs. Rosini. Yeah, she's Mrs. Rosini. Yes. By the way, Rob, is you were like an 80s and 90s sitcom savant. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't remember her from her two episode stint on Jake and the Fat Man. No. Well, we already said I don't I didn't watch Jake and the Fat Man. I didn't watch any CBS until Survivor came on. Now it's all I watch. Oh boy. Yeah. All right. So uh the woman is very turned off. Uh we see Kramer eavesdropping on two people talking about a horse. Somebody has a hot tip about this horse. Right. So we don't really know yet, but Kramer has like a horrible gambling problem. Yeah, he likes to gamble. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, this to him, he, he's like shaking almost like when he gets this tip, he like doesn't know what to do with it, what to do with himself. And by the way, let's say Kramer heard like these the two guys talking about it are acting like if somebody hears, that's it. Two people can both place bets on a horse without like the odds significantly changing. Or oh, well, changed. they don't know that they don't want it to get out. Kramer could have 100 friends. Yeah, I mean, I guess. But the race is, is in an hour. Like how much <laughs> how much is going to happen? A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff could happen. Anyway, so we hear about this horse and this horse. Uh, what was the first part of the, sto- the story? Like the guy has like the guy that's riding the horse is something special. No, I think they just they hadn't really broken him in. They were they were kind of like slow playing the horse and now they were busting it out. And it was his maiden trip. Yeah, um, they talk about they've got bug boy on him later. I guess, yeah, I guess that's that's a particular jockey. Okay. But, you know, it, it's first of all, it was raining. Yes. And so, this uh, horse loves the slop. He eats it. He eats the slop. And the lineage of this horse is very interesting because the father of this horse is does very well in uh, wet conditions. Well, his father was a mother. <laughs> and, and the mother of this horse... Also does well in wet conditions. His, his mother was a mother. <laughs> his mother was a mother? Mother was a mother. I mean, really just, you know, incredible. Uh, one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, this is great. This is great. So Jerry wakes up with the, and sees the naked guy. Uh, yeah, everyone is off to the side, but Jerry, um, you know, Jerry's fine with it. Jerry is horribly mean to the naked man, Mr. Carosi. He's just honest with him. He's very honest with him, but he's a little bit like, uh, you know, Mr. Carosi is like, I don't see a problem with uh, the naked body. He's like, well, you should sit where I am. (laughs) And he says, you know, there's a couple of things where he's like, you know, I'm not ashamed of my body. And he's like, well, that's the problem. I think you should be. (laughs) Right. He said, you have a problem with naked bodies? Like, I just got something against yours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then when Jerry gets into uh, maybe, you know, what about doing like some like some thrusts or some lunges? He's like, who has time for that? Well, maybe you should skip breakfast. You know, it, Jerry doesn't need to go there with Mr. Carosi. Yeah, that's like a lot. I mean, this naked guy, he could just like come jump on you. Yeah. Yeah. And he drops the newspaper. A crazy person. <laughs> he drops the newspaper on the ground. Jerry's like, let me get that for you. Yeah, he really did. He did a service there to the whole train. Now, what is this based on? Do people really do uh, ride the subway naked? I think there was something recently where there was a guy who was doing it like a few days in a row. Yeah. And I think everyone's just afraid to go near him. Like even the police probably like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. Isn't there something also with there's like women that are like riding the subway like topless or something? I don't think so. I feel like that was uh, a thing. Maybe like maybe for that like improv everywhere type of thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But, uh, I don't think. 
like every I don't think you walk on the subway and you just see people without clothes. I never <laughs> I never saw one. Maybe and I, and for the most part it's a good thing. Like I'd say ninety nine percent of the people who would do this, you're you know, you'd pay to keep their clothes on. Yeah. I mean, how long is this subway ride to Coney Island? I mean, if they're going from like the Upper West Side or something or or you know, midtown, I guess it could you know, it's probably an hour. Okay. All right, there you go. All right, so um, Jerry and Mr. Carosi will strike up a friendship, but we'll get back to that. Uh, Elaine is having a inner monologue. Uh, Elaine really like has like a like full page of dialogue just in her head. Yeah, there's. A, I mean, she's pretty good here. Julia uh, is is pretty good with like the stuff in her head, but she's just yelling at you know in her at herself in her head and and cursing. Yes. She talks about, you know, people going through all sorts of horrible different things. She can get through this. What's on her leg? And then ultimately the power goes out. Uh, yeah, I, I've never seen I've never had the lights go out and be stuck. But I, that's really like rock bottom. I would just like jump out at that point. Yeah, that's tough. OK, so we see now George also got off of the the subway uh, with the woman who was uh, in the business suit. Right. He gets he gets stuck in the subway. Yeah, uh, which I mean, they they do have automatic sensors, but I guess that is kind of like a nightmare of everybody to get stuck in there. Like, and it's going to keep going with you in it. Yeah, and she says to him, like, I was going to ask you to come with me, but I know you're busy, so you probably don't want to come. But he does. He does. He takes the bait. Right. I wonder if she was really just being super hard to get, knowing that he would come. Yeah, I watched American Hustle on the plane. I think that's part of the scam. You're supposed to keep telling people no. And then when they're when they're like begging you to get in on it, that's when you got them. Yeah, I didn't love American Hustle. though. Oh, I did. I loved it. Yeah, it was like it was all over the place a little bit. <laughs> but I thought it was fun. Yeah, it was fun time. It was a fun time. It was fun. And then we I became a big Amy Adams fan. Uh, yeah, Amy Adams is she's great. Yes, very good. All right. So with we see in the hotel room that we the aforementioned hotel room that this woman has, uh, she brings George into the hotel room. She goes into the bathroom. She tells him, get comfortable. Akiva, what's the move here? I don't know. You just like, I guess you wait around until she comes out because let them make, you know, the you let you, you know, she's uh, it's like chess and she gets the first moves. Don't do anything until until she comes out here. Yeah, I think the move is if I was in this situation, I think I'm going to at least take off my blazer. Oh, yeah. You could take off your blazer and tie. If she says get comfortable, like, you know, maybe that's what she meant. She couldn't mean anything less than that. Yeah, I um, think the move is uh, I'm going to take off my blazer. I think I'm going to open the top button of the shirt and loosen the tie. And take off the shoes. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be so quick to take off the shoes. I, don't know, I, any, I walk in anywhere. I take off my shoes first thing. Yeah. I don't know. I like to keep the shoes on. I, I mean, re- indoors, you keep shoes on? Sure. I mean, I, I don't have any shoes that are that uncomfortable. Are, are, you, are you podcasting in shoes right now? No, I do not have shoes on right now, okay. but that's more because, you know, I haven't gone anywhere today. Okay. You might not even know where your shoes were. <laughs> you might, to look you around. Seen them in a week. <laughs> I have to look around to see where they were. Um, all right. So then she ends up coming out. And uh, she is in a negligee. Yeah. And obviously, you know, the first thing that pops into his head is starting to talk about Estelle. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll get (laughs) we'll get back to uh, that when we uh, see him getting handcuffed. All right. Next, we see Kramer at the OTB talking to some guy. Yeah. A lot of bouncing around in this episode. Yeah, we bounce around a lot, and Kramer is basically parroting back all the stuff. This baby loves the slop. He eats the slop. His mother was a mutter. His father was a mutter. And so uh, Kramer's going to put $600 on. What's the, the horse's name? Papernick? Uh, Papernick. I think it's short for uh, Papernick. Ka- it was like a grip on the show. Oh, it wasn't short for Colin Kaepernick? Uh, no, I don't think he was. Uh, he was barely born when the show aired. <laughs> Do you know that Colin Kaepernick's uh, father was a mutter? I think we don't know who Colin Kaepernick's father was. Yeah. His mutter was a mutter. His mutter was a mutter? His coach was a mutter, and now he's in Michigan. I love that they like the joke so much that they did it twice. Yeah. They just complete, like, you never see that in television or movies. Like, they completely repeated a conversation. Yeah, but it's great. It's great. It's, yeah, they could have done it a third time. I would have been fine. All right, so we cut back to Jerry and Mr. Carosi. And Jerry and Mr. Carosi have a very extended conversation about the upcoming Mets season. And they have high hopes. They gotta love their chances, even though Jerry has concerns about the hitting, but Mr. Carosi has concerns about the pitching. And they're both concerned about the defense and the, and the front office. 
Yes, and and rightfully so, because uh, the 1992 Mets, which they're uh, talking about, uh, went on to become known as uh, the worst team money can buy. Yes, uh, and were one of the, considered to be one of the worst baseball teams of all time. Uh, yeah, they right. They their optimism was misplaced, <laughs> but. Um... You know, unfortunately, we've seen many worse teams since then. <laughs> but this was a famously bad Mets team. Yeah, there were books written about this team. Yes, because at the time, I believe they had the highest payroll in the sport, uh, $45 million. And Akiva, uh, the ironic thing here is that in 1992, uh, the Mets had the highest payroll in baseball at $45 million. And in 2015 coming up, uh, the Mets payroll is still $45 million. <laughs> Amazing. Whoa, uh, did they sign somebody while we were talking? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, all right. So then we see now George getting tied up and this is very awkward. What he's talking about that his mother used to walk around in brawn panties and she's like an uglier version of Hazel. You know who Hazel is? Uh, she's a TV witch, I think. I, I'm not sure. I usually, you know, Google these references. I didn't even bother because he was talking about how ugly she was. Yes. It's Shirley Booth. I mean, I guess that's the person who played Hazel, but I'm not familiar. Yes, yes. So she goes through the wallet and says, it's a pleasure doing business with you and sees that he has $8. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, I, I, my friend and I always, you know, like um, we run, you know, like NCAA tournament pools, fantasy baseball pools. And so he thought I owed him a lot of money. We were like sending back and forth our how much money we owed each other. And I, I think we both thought I owed him like in the range of like $500. Okay. And then one day he like, he went through it all in like an Excel sheet and he sent me this clip right here. I owed him exactly $8. Oh. He's like $8. Yeah. So uh, yeah, $8 not really worth her, uh, not really worth her mourning. Yeah, $8. That's enough for six people to watch all of review and be unhappy. Yeah, by the way, if you send me that you're, un that you're unhappy with it, I may, you know, CC Andy Daly and, uh, you know, you're going to complain to the boss. <laughs> if you give it a, you can't give it a zero star review. You have to give it a half star. Well, racism was a half star review. What Zero star review, uh, something was a zero star review. Nothing. I think nothing. He said that... <laughs> It was nothing could be zero stars. That's part. That's just how it works. Well, divorce. He just walked off. He didn't give it a rating. Yes. No, nothing could get zero earbuds. No, no earbuds. But he, she did take his $350 suit. Yes. From Mo Ginsburg. Mo Ginsburg. Yes. Is that a nice suit uh, manufacturer? Sounds like one. Yeah. Or is that just a guy? Gotta go to Mo's. <laughs> Gotta go to Mo Ginsburg. <laughs> All right. So Kramer has uh, won a lot of money. So this is where Kramer, we're seeing him on the, on the race and uh, he makes it. He got his horse wins. Uh, yeah. Papa, Papa Nick comes through in the clutch. The, yeah. Kramer sort of running up and down, you know, jumping up and down like a horse when the horse is, is in there is, is just incredible. Yeah. In my mind, I remember a sort of mad scramble to pick up all the tickets off the ground. I mean, Kramer throws all these tickets on the ground. He's making it rain. He makes it rain, but he makes it rain with all, with all winning tickets. According to Wikipedia, they say how much money Kramer won. Do you have a guess? Well, I have more than a guess because he spent the $600 he was going to pay the parking tickets with, right? Yes. So it's just 600 times 30. Yeah. What's that? $1,800. Eighteen thousand oh, dollars. Sorry, eight, that's what I meant. Eighteen thousand dollars. Sorry. How do you like that, Akiva? I was a math teacher. I mean, an English teacher, not a math teacher. I mean, eighteen thousand dollars in nineteen ninety two. What are we looking at with there on the inflation? I don't know what, like twenty something, right? 25. I mean, that's I mean, that's an incredible amount of money for Kramer to be winning. Yeah. The thing is, if you're winning that much money, especially in nineteen ninety two, New York City, you know, aren't you like getting an armed escort home, basically? <laughs> You think so, if, right? If you do well in a casino in Vegas, like they'll send you like a, you know, a, a security guard to help you to your room, right? Or your car, whatever. I'm not sure. I believe they, I mean, I've never won that much money. I've probably lost. No, but they'll, yeah, they'll send you like, you know, they'll give you a guard. You probably have to pay for it, but yeah. they'll give you a guard. Like if you win the, you know, the world series, now I guess that's in check. So that wouldn't really count. Well, you mm -hmm. can't get it in cash. I don't know. So Kramer, he ends up uh, like celebrating that he has all the money. And then there's a guy who kind of looks like the lead singer of ACDC, who's like uh, eyeing him. Uh, yeah, he, you know, Kramer was a little bit uh, too, you know, too over the top. With, celebratory. With, too celebratory. Yeah, this guy played <laughs> Too by, uh, much uh, Odell Beckham-y 
for uh, the OTB. Yeah. Too much like the ODB at the OTB. Oh boy, the 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 actor who who gives him uh, you know the look here is named Chris Latta. Yes, Rob. Yes. Uh, these days he's uh, you know robbing the Great Subway in the sky. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me that you had an interview lined up with him. Uh, uh, that would be, you know, podcasting <laughs> magic. Yes. Uh, well, that is sad to hear that he is uh, no longer with us. R.I.P. Chris Latta. <laughs> All right. So Kramer ends up like running for it and trying to get on the subway. The guy is following him. It's sort of like a harrowing chase scene. And Kramer ends up like running onto the subway car. And then uh, the guy chases him and then he runs into the blind guy. And then like uh, the Chris Latta, he ends up like with Kramer, like a chokehold, like, give me the money, give me the money. And then uh, we have the undercover police officer pulls a gun on him. Yeah, I, I, I love the idea that like the blind violinist, you know, wasn't blind and is just a cop. Like who, who at the, who at the, part, the department thought of that one? <laughs> I don't know. Your, wasn't your dad a New York City policeman? Yes, yes. Like, did he ever come home and like, I had a tough day. I was pretending to be a blind violinist on the subway. Well, maybe that's like what Derek used to do on Big Brother, go undercover. Did, you, did your dad ever go undercover? Do you know? I don't think he was ever undercover. Uh, like, I, I don't think he ever did that kind of stuff. I mean, that's pretty, yeah. But so anyway, I, I do want to know if the guy gets, got to keep his violinist tips. He also, they had to like, you think they thought of the idea and it's like, all right, who's good at the violin? Like, which officer? <laughs> or did he say like, I'm, I'm good at the violin. I'm so good I could play blind. I guess so. I don't know when they were talking about that. Um, do you like this turn of events? I mean, it's it's way too over the top. It, you know what it feels like, Rob? What? You ever watch Family Matters? Yeah, yeah. This doesn't feel like an episode of Seinfeld. Right. It feels like when um, it feels like when uh, Lieutenant Winslow, you know, saves the day at the end, which happens a lot of times. And yeah, like in Die Hard. I never saw Die Hard. <laughs> Neither did I until I just did a, a movie cast about it on Rob as a podcast. This oh, week. Lieutenant Winslow's in Die Hard. Yeah. Oh, okay. Also, is a cop. Um, yeah, I, I feel like he was pigeonholed. He he was always playing cop. <laughs> yeah. No, but this doesn't feel like a Seinfeld. Like if you know, Larry David and Jerry have always said Seinfeld is about like no fuzzy, warm feelings, no hugs at the end of the episode. This is kind of a warm and fuzzy ending to the episode. Yeah, so what do you do here? Do you have Kramer like lose the money in some funny way? Does he just get robbed? Him getting robbed of the money for no reason is is a little too harsh, I think. Here, no, here's what we're, we're going to rewrite the ending of this episode. Kramer uh, goes, gets on the subway and uh, we don't have the guy from ACDC. Kramer goes and uh, sits on the subway, uh, is like, uh, is all, all excited, sits down next to the woman that George ended up uh, going to the hotel with. And that's where we sort of end the episode. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Or, or maybe then you see him back at Monk saying, yep, lost all my money. Um, no, I don't think we need to see to see how it ends. Like, let's just like get them connect them because she's looking for a guy with a ton of cash on him. Kramer is a guy with a ton of cash on him. And let's just see how that ends up. Uh, like good. we should mention this. This episode was written by Larry Charles, who we were not happy with any of his season two episodes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he, I think he's improved. Uh, he, you know, he does a good job with this one and some yeah. other season three episodes. I just feel like this happy storybook ending is not a Seinfeld moment. No, I really like your ending. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm into it. It's a rewrite. It's a rewrite. When we do the special edition, we'll, uh, we'll include that. Do you ever have like a Seinfeld spec script? You just, you know, switch the ending there. Yeah, I was going to write a Seinfeld uh, spec script at one point that was going to be like a Seinfeld if it was if it was taking place now. Uh, but then like so many people did that between the uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm uh, reunion and then uh, modern Seinfeld on Twitter and stuff like that. But I, I, that was an idea that I had been kicking around at one point. Yeah, I would just do the nanny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, modern nanny of what it would be like in 2014. No, no, no. Just just a typical episode of like the or Carolina <laughs> City. One of the great episodes. All right, let's go back to everybody at the coffee shop. We have um, Elaine didn't end up going to the wedding. She just brought the present back there. Uh, Jerry didn't end up getting the car because he had so much time uh, riding the the subway. I don't think I mentioned also Jerry and Mr. Carosi got off the subway and became uh, good friends. Like, how long did it take Mr. Carosi to get back, get dressed? I don't know, but I would have looked away when he was, you know, like spreading out and getting dressed. Where was Mr. Carosi headed to? Good question. He looked like a busy guy. I think he was going to work. 
not for anything. I'm not a stripper. I'm not a flasher or anything like that. But if I was, I feel like the like full suit and tie would be the worst uniform uh, to be a stripper in or a flasher. Or like sort of like if you could get like the breakaway like Magic Mike suit, that's Ooh. one way to go. But I don't think that's what Mr. Carosi had. No, I don't think. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know how well thought out it was, but he has a he has a briefcase, so he was probably on his way to work. And Jerry talked him out of going to work. Okay, so go ride the subway. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I'd be worried about getting on the cyclone with Mister Crossy because I feel like what does he like to ride the roller coaster naked? Uh, that's a good question. He may have he may have you know had to make a deal with him there. I mean, Jerry was paying, and he's not the ideal guy that you want to share the roller coaster car with. Right. If it's right. If it's if it's like one seat, one big seat. Yeah, you're you're not getting in with him. Yeah, you're a glutton for punishment at that point. Um, but Jerry never ended up getting the card, that the office was closed. Uh, and we now see George, like, showing up at Monk's in a bedsheet. Yeah, this is also a little cartoony. Yeah, they call him uh, Harry Krishna. And uh, Jerry says, what happened? Did you whistle on the elevator? Yeah, listen, uh, you know, it's what Willie, Willie told Biff not to whistle. So they're, you know, they're really, uh, it would have been funny if they, like, worked out some sort of, like, death of his salesman ending there but he just keeps bringing it up okay and so we end up uh taking off and everybody ends up leaving uh the diner right but it's weird because it's not like everyone so elaine missed the wedding yes uh, and she says she'll catch the bris okay but that's not the bris that we see in uh you know in a couple seasons when we actually have the bris episode right yes not a lesbian bris i don't believe so no (laughs) yes um but so like i feel like jerry came out on top kind of uh, and and then Kramer like did incredibly well, you know. It, usually, like everyone wins or everyone loses. It's kind of all over the map here. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kramer's the big winner. Jerry's. Uh, I would say I'd put him in the win column. George, uh, the big loser, and Elaine. I'd say was a net loser for this episode. Right. But if if in according to your sort of uh, revision, where Kramer loses all his money, you just have to have Jerry like come in and say like, "Yep, he got naked on the cyclone." Also, and then everybody loses. Yes, yes. Uh, I liked recapping the winners and losers of the episode. I liked it. Let's keep doing that going forward. Okay, but but I, I right. I I, th- I think this is rare where it's two and two. Yes. So good day for Jerry. He also got his car back. Right. He didn't get his car back, but, but I he mean, will. he thought his car was. Yeah, that sort of sort of takes the sting off of the two thousand dollars for the rental car. Well, this is you know him being even Steven again. Yeah. So he's back to being even Steven. All right. So Akiva. Uh, let's talk about, uh, the overall 2014 differences, uh, between this and 1992. I I think one of the biggest differences for me, I feel like this is another case for me where just having the smartphone on the train makes all of these train trips a lot more manageable. Right. Because you mean you could play games or whatever on your phone, play games. You're not fighting over a newspaper with anybody. You don't have to, you're not falling asleep. You can stay awake and play your angry birds or uh, whatever it is you want to look at candy crush. And I think you have a lot more options on the subway. It's not nearly as brutal as it was in 1992. Imagine to ride the subway. Uh, no, it, right. Before then you had to bring a book or like you were, at, you know, alone with your own thoughts, which is a nightmare. <laughs> like here you're, you're right here. You are, um, you know, you're, you have so many, you have so many things I would hate. I would always go on the subway and I would like look at people who are just doing nothing, like staring into, you know, the yonder. Yes. And it would bother me so much. Like I would actually want to like yell at them. Like you have all, like maybe some people do their best thinking on the subway. I don't know. Yeah. But I would always assume those people were nuts because, you know, you could have a, you know, read a book, you know, listen to music, play on your phone. You know, I mean, some people do ridiculous things like Get naked? No, well, yeah, that. But, like, some people, like, eat spicy food and, like, all right, that's, you know, that's a little <laughs> over the top. <laughs> In general, eating on the subway, I, I find gross because it's, like, really hot and smelly and disgusting. And even if yeah. you're just eating something simple, like a slice of pizza. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. Uh, I think I would eat, like, a, like a power bar or something. Like, some that's sort of, fine. like, thing that's like some sort of wrapped thing, like a granola bar that you could have uh, and not, like, have to touch it. That's fine. I, I once worked with, a, um, with like, a, a, a guy who was, like, a little off. And um, we should mention, for, for those non-New Yorkers, like, the Long Island Railroad is much cleaner than the subway. Yeah. So, like, it's more reasonable to eat on the LIRR than on the subway. You agree, right? 
Yes. I worked I worked with him and we we're both going the same direction on the Long Island Railroad. And uh, he took out of his bag an entire on the Long Island Railroad, an entire meal of Chinese food. Yeah. <laughs> he had like the he had like the wonton soup. He had like the beef lo mein. And it was just like all spread out over three. It was like that was a little little much for this for the railroad. That's probably a bit much. All right. Well, now you're making me hungry. Yeah, I'm st- I'm actually really in the mood for wonton soup. Now. Yeah, I had some good Chinese food when I was on Long Island. You can't get good Chinese food in L.A.? No, not really. Not like the, you know, really like disgusting, greasy uh, Chinese food that I like. Um, yeah. You know, is there any food that's better in L.A. than than I mean? Mexican. Oh, sure. Mexican sushi. Uh, plenty of things. A uh, lot of great burger places here in L.A. But uh, really, the you know, the big ones when I go home, I try to get uh, bagel every day. Uh, I talked about the bagel store on the last podcast. Yeah, Fillmore Bagel Cafe, um, the pizza and uh, the Chinese food. Yeah, that can't be beat uh, in New York. Those are the big three. All right, that's good to know. Big three. All right. So um, we don't have a ton of feedback uh, in this episode for this week's episode because uh, I only posted it right before we we're recording this one. But let's hear what Chester has to say. Uh, Chester doesn't miss an episode. He doesn't miss it. He knows well, Rob, what have, we're up have to. Have you ever heard of paternity leave? Paternity leave. Yes. Okay. Have you ever had paternity leave? Like when my baby was born? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I've never had paternity leave. Yeah. I mean, I would say my paternity leave was like, hey, my wife is, is, you know, we're going to be induced into labor uh, tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to need to be off for a week. And uh, they said, okay, well, we'll pay you for the week. I mean, that was my paternity leave. Okay. That's not bad. Yeah. So it was sort of, it's, I mean, I guess I would, I would say it was more kind of like paid vacation, but I mean, I wasn't off for like three months or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I already found out that if I have another kid, I'm not even getting paternity leave. Oh, you found that out? Who told yes. You that? <laughs> yes. I, I t- asked my boss and he's like, no, no, no paternity leave at this company. You're podcasting that night. <laughs> yes. Can, yeah. Can you do a podcast? Has anyone ever podcasting from podcasted from a uh, delivery room? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know if if that would be ideal. You would uh, probably pick up some buzz, you know. I think so. Probably get some buzz. Um, it was kind of an issue though because uh, my son was born the day of the Breaking Bad finale, which I had sort of requested from my wife that that was a blackout date for me. <laughs> I didn't yeah, want yeah. that to happen, but uh, luckily we were able to watch it by uh, nighttime. Even though I was podcasting about Breaking Bad at the time, I had to get a fill in for me. Yeah, two of my kids have been born on football Sundays. Um, luckily, one of them um, we were able to schedule. And, you know, we were able to get in and out before the game. Yeah. Um, so I was able to, you know, and then she had no roommate. I was able to watch like two TVs. You know, yeah. The, the AFC game and the NFC game going. It was great. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's what Chester uh, has to say about this episode. Uh, first off, he says he appreciates uh, all of the subway talk in this episode. Yeah. He loves New York City. Okay. All right. So first off, Chester wants to know, how is Elaine the best man at a lesbian wedding? Do these poor lesbians have no real friends? They have to rely on someone who has never previously mentioned them or ever will mention them again. And how awful of a friend is Elaine that when her train is delayed, rather than showing up at the wedding late, she just heads to the coffee shop. Right. And we don't know how long she was delayed. Like maybe she was delayed for hours. Yeah, you know, I think you're right about the justice of the peace thing. I think that it was probably like, okay, we're getting married, justice of the peace at three o'clock, and then Elaine was delayed an hour and it was just over. I mean, maybe that's why we never hear from them again because she missed their wedding. Yeah. Um, okay, so <laughs> this is a well, another point that Chester says, uh, who counts seconds in bananas? Are you a one banana man? I prefer a one Mississippi unless I'm rushing the passer and touch uh, football, in which case it's one dog. Oh, Sly Chester there. I never <laughs> thought about that. Yes. Well, who, who's counting seconds in bananas? Oh, you mean in the episode? Yes. Yeah, what is he talking about? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Maybe it's Chester going ahead. Did we miss this? Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's, you know, maybe we're missing something obvious, but I, I, uh, I hadn't thought about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> then uh, Chester also talks about uh, my mother used to walk around our apartment in her bra and panties. Is George the worst dirty talker of all time? Uh, well, it depends. Are those the panties her mother laid out for her? There you go. 
$350 at Mo Ginsburg. That's $600 today. Not a bad suit for a cheapskate like George. Yeah, I mean, he really went all out. I wonder if, like, his parents paid for it. Well, the suit gets him in trouble. Like, if he looked more like a schlub, then he wouldn't have been the target of this predator. That's true. Yeah, I mean, but, but he probably wasn't going on the subway saying, how could I not get, you know, uh, how could I not get uh, honey potted or whatever? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wait, I, all right. So I, I realized what it was. When Elaine says that it, the lights are going to go back on and the subway's going to start moving again, she counts bananas. She says one banana, two bananas. <laughs> okay. That's what he's talking about. All right. So there you go. Th- that's the email. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. And uh, Akiva, what's the episode for next week? Next week, we have the Pez Dispenser. Oh, well, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, we got Pez at a, uh, at a recital. You know, Kramer comes up with his idea for a cologne that smells like the beach. It's fun. Okay. So we'll talk about that on our next recap of the Seinfeld podcast. All right. So, Akiva, uh, where does this fall for you in our overall rankings of the episodes? Now, you were very, you were very high on the, uh, on the parking garage, correct? Uh, yeah. I mean, probably no more than the average person, but it was parking garage was 28. 28. So, will this episode exceed the parking garage? Uh, no. No. All right. Should I lower my expectation? Uh, yeah. Well, well okay, let's go to the other bottle episode that we mentioned in this episode. How about the, the Chinese restaurant at number 79? Yeah, it's better than the Chinese restaurant. All right. What about the pony remark, number 47? I have this a little bit above the pony remark. Okay. All right. So where do you have this? This is going to be, by my calculations, the third highest episode that you've reviewed so far? That's correct. Okay. Where do you have the subway? The subway is at 42. Number 42, Jackie Robinson. Perfect. Yes. No other episodes will be 42. That's <laughs> You're retiring the subway. All right. Number 42. Which Husky. I, that's really the greatest 42 ever, I think. <laughs> number, greatest number 42 of all time. Better than Mo Vaughn? You know, Mo Vaughn, you could barely see, you know, like uh, his jersey was big enough. He could have had three numbers on the back. Yeah. Who is bigger, Mo Vaughn or Mr. Carosi? Well, that's a good question. Mo Vaughn is like really tall. Yeah, um, but Movon also he's got a he's got a you know a kid who didn't work out in the Mets minor league system, so we'll give it to <laughs> Mr. Carosi. Yeah, all right, there you go. All right, so Akiva, very fun talk about the subway. Looking forward to uh, next week talking about the uh, the Pez dispenser. Were you going to give us our your top ten movies of the year this week? Yeah, I think we're going to have that's going to have to wait for next week. I, I have uh, a couple that I just I'm trying to see, but the uh, you know the North Koreans are stopped. No, no, no. I just I haven't gotten around to see American Sniper yet. I did see Foxcatcher this week, so I'm almost there. Okay. Well, you've definitely seen way more movies uh, than I have. Yeah, but I want to know, um, where do you have the subway, approximately, of the episodes we've seen so far? (sighs) I I would say I don't love the subway the way that I've loved some of the other episodes uh, that we've talked about. For me... I, I feel like uh, I probably am lower on the subway. I don't think it's a top 50 episode for me, but it's probably not outside the top 100. All right, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's fun stuff. I love the, his father was a mutter and mutter was a mutter, but overall, I feel like it's a little light on the jokes for me. It is, and it's, it gets a little negative at the end. Yeah, so uh, we'll see. And, and just the whole thing with the undercover police officer thwarting the you know robbery of Kramer. I just feel like, although it's the first time I feel like the police have been shown in a positive light in Seinfeld. That's true. They have a lot of negative you know sort of uh, associations until this one. Yeah. I will say that I, I hate when the audience does the big clapping thing. Um, I mean, it's worth mentioning that the you know the subway car was like a big you know similar to the parking garage. You know, they had to build this subway car. And they actually said in the inside look that um, they had like the grips or the best, you know, whatever they call them um, on site. Like they were literally shaking the car when, you know, there's, uh, you know, the turbulence in Elaine's subway car and when Kramer, you know, gets bounced around. Yeah. Could you just speak to the uh, production? I know that was in the inside looks of how they built the subway car. So what they built one and then it got destroyed. No, I think what they did was no, I think it got destroyed right after they used this one. Like they couldn't use it again. When the uh, when the guy was, you know, the union guy or whoever was driving it back, it was like above maybe the car and it got like it got hit and hit an overpass and got destroyed. And then yes. they built the second one. OK, but they built the second one after the episode. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe intending to use for future, you know, show set in New York City, like intending to use for future for future episodes. I think that's what 
he was saying. Okay. Um, also worth mentioning that uh, this is the start of the episodes where Elaine is uh, pregnant in real life, that Julia is pregnant, and they're going out of their way to mask her pregnancy. Oh, okay. So you see, like, she's holding the present, you know, over her stomach because, you know, she's trying to hide it. Um, and she will eventually miss two episodes, the very first two in season uh, four. She'll, you know, when they go to L.A., she's not there. She's having a baby. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Akiva, this has been a fun chat about the subway. We'll be back next week uh, talking about the Pez dispenser. Uh, for everybody out there, uh, this is our first podcast of the new year. Hope you have a very happy new year in 2015. Uh, very much looking forward to talking about 52 Seinfeld episodes uh, with you this coming year, Akiva. Yeah, 52 for 52. Should we go for it? 52 for 52. Let's do it. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. And please uh, let us know what you think in the comments on postshowrecaps.com. Take care. Bye.